Well, today we celebrate the memorial of St. Charles Borromeo, and I wasn't going to do it, but from the look on Dom's face, I probably should explain the parable. I was going to get into other things. And, and Richard was asking questions before, you know, before uh, Mass as well. Um, I think, you know, in any kind of metaphor, every metaphor limps is what they say. Okay, so when you have uh, some kind of image and something that you're trying to explain by means of the image, there's going to be things in common and there's going to be things that are not in common. So, obviously, the dishonesty of the steward is not being placed before our um, hearts and considerations and minds as, as a model for imitation. Um, but what is being placed before us for consideration is the fact that he was uh, very mindful about uh, what was going to happen to him after he got kicked out of his job. And so for us, all of us are going to get kicked out of our job one day, meaning we're all going to die. And we got to secure for ourselves uh, future habitations that are um, comfortable. And that is heaven and, you know, not hell, okay? So the way we do that is, if you, I mean, if you think about it, when someone sins against you, they're sinning against you, but kind of ultimately, I mean, you're not that important. They're sinning against God, you know, because your very life, uh, is God's property and depends upon God. So when you go and you kind of and you forgive that person, you're really, in a certain sense, God is allowing you to act on His behalf. Okay, so here you go. This guy had had his master's property, you know, and he he went and he kind of forgave these people their debts. In some ways, you can say, could he really done that? Well, no. I mean, according to the strict sense of the letter, he he was doing something dishonest. He was cooking the books, as Richard said before mass. Um, but, you know, it's a metaphor for us in a certain sense, right? Because we have, when people sin against us, I mean, it's, it is against us, but really, we ourselves are God's property. So, you know, when we forgive someone their trespasses against us, in a certain sense, we're kind of dealing with God's property in a certain, in a certain way. So we forgive those, um, who have sinned against us in our past. Because we want a good future, and so perhaps they die before us, and when they're in heaven, they can intercede for us and usher us into the, the some comfortable abodes in the afterlife, and not uncomfortable ones. Okay, so that that's the general sense of the uh, meta of the parable. I actually didn't want to talk about that. Though. I want to talk about Saint Charles Borromeo. Uh, Saint Charles Borromeo is a very remarkable, uh, very remarkable saint. Uh, he's one of these guys where, you know, at this time in the 16th century, it was just after uh, the Protestant movement had begun, and uh, it was a real moment of humbling for the church, okay, because there was a lot of corruption, a lot of corruption that was going on. And um, it, it was, you know, inadvertently the cause of this great schism that took place between the Protestants and Catholics. And uh, there was a lot of corruption in the clergy, uh, there was what, you know, the word nepotism really comes from a whole, uh, this is, this is, was the clergy did this first before anybody else did this, okay? So you'd always have, uh, you know, the priest or the bishop or the cardinal, he'd have his, uh, nepote, he'd have his nephew, okay, right? And his nephew, he was able to get into positions and all that kind of stuff, okay? So that's what they would do. Um, and, uh, and actually, I think St. Charles Borromeo, he was the nephew of a, some uh, uh, important prelate uh, in, you know, in Rome, in the Vatican. And um, I think St. Charles was actually put in his place through uh, some, some uh, monkey business. 
if I'm not mistaken. I have to really check that. But and he get, he came into his position of power when he was like 22. Okay. Uh, but what's interesting is in the midst of all that kind of corruption, he was a very righteous guy. Uh, St. Charles Borromeo was really, really uh, amazing, holy, holy saint and learned man. And he died young. He died when he was 46. So in those, from the time he was 22 to the time he was 46, he set about with serious uh, resolve to reform the church. Council of Trent was held. Very important council, very probably one of the most significant councils of the 21 ecumenical councils in the history of the church, the Council of Trent. And so uh, Borromeo, St. Charles Borromeo, was one of the guys that was responsible for implementing the reforms of the Council of Trent, and he did it with great earnest. And it was due to him that he actually, uh, the implementation of seminaries began. So before that, there was no such a thing as a seminary. Okay, So seminaries began with St. Charles Borromeo. And that's been the means of educating priests ever since, and it's worked out pretty well for 500 years. It's worked out pretty well. It could be, you know, there's there's weaknesses to the system, um, you know, there's problems. It's not perfect, but for the most part, the whole idea of the seminary uh, was was from St. Charles Borromeo, and it, and it works pretty well. Um, now here he is. I'm going to pick on priests a little bit, if you don't mind me doing that. I'm sure, you don't mind me doing that. Um, so St. Charles Borromeo, and this is one, this is taken, this is an excerpt from a homily he gave it, uh, last count. He would, he really ministered to priests mostly. Okay, he was trying to reform, reform the clergy. So this is one of the things that he's, he's speaking to priests. This is one of the last things he said right before his death. Uh, he's talking about how priests are spiritual slackers and they need to get their act together. Okay, so he's saying another priest complains that as soon as he comes into church to pray the office or to celebrate mass, a thousand thoughts fill his mind and distract him from God. But what was he doing in the sacristy before he came out for the office or for mass? How did he prepare? What means did he use to collect his thoughts and to remain recollected? Was he gossiping with Sandy beforehand? Would you like me to teach? Oh wait, no, 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 that's Sandy. Would you like me to teach you how to grow from virtue to virtue, and how, if you're already recollected at prayer, you can be even more attentive next time, and so give God more pleasing worship? Listen, and I'll tell you. If a tiny spark of God's love already burns within you, do not expose it to the wind, for it may get blown out. Keep the stove tightly shut so that it will not lose its heat and grow cold. In other words, avoid distractions as well as you can. Stay quiet with God. Do not spend your time in useless chatter. If teaching and preaching is your job, then study diligently and apply yourself to whatever is necessary for doing the job well. Be sure that you first preach by the way you live. If you do not, people will notice that you say one thing but live otherwise, and your words will bring only cynical laughter and a derisive shake of the head. Are you in charge of a parish? If so, do not neglect the parish of your own soul. Do not give yourself to others so completely that you've got nothing left for yourself. You have to be mindful of your people without becoming forgetful of yourself. My brothers, you must realize that for us churchmen, nothing is more necessary than meditation. We must meditate before, during, and after everything we do. The prophet says, I will pray and then I will understand. When you administer the sacraments, meditate on what you're doing. When you celebrate Mass, reflect on the sacrifice you're offering. When you pray the office, think about the words you're saying and the Lord to whom you're speaking. 
When you take care of your people, meditate on how the Lord's blood that was washed, that has washed them clean, <clears throat> so that all that you do may become a work of love. This is the way we can easily overcome the countless difficulties we have to face day after day, which after all are part of our work. In meditation, we find the strength to bring Christ to birth in ourselves and in other men. So St. Charles Borromeo here focusing on meditation is very important. There's a nice metaphor that I like to use when I talk about meditation. Uh, Think of a needle and a thread. So the needle is uh, the meditation and the thread are the um, affections of the heart. Uh, They are the prayers, the petitions that come forth out of after our consideration, after our meditation. And then there are finally the resolutions that we make to improve some area, to do some concrete thing in our life that particular day. And so when it comes to meditation, you should have uh, you know, a good Bible. I recommend the uh, Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition. Um, <clears throat> you should have spiritual works. There's spiritual works sitting right here in our, you know, uh, in our vicinity. You can reach out and grab one, one on your shelf, buy some. And have some kind of content, you know, maybe the readings of the day, the mass readings of the day, whatever it is, have some kind of content. You spend some time and you think on a daily basis and you meditate what it is that you're, uh, you're reading. And when you do that in God's presence and in a prayerful manner, your heart will be moved and will be stirred and you'll remember your duties, you'll remember the mysteries of the faith and it will draw your mind uh, and gather it to attention um, and uh, you'll think to pray for certain graces that you would not have other otherwise been reminded of. Okay, so that's main importance of meditation is it reminds you of what you need to pray for. Because apart from asking God's grace for particular areas, we can't live a Christian life. And then finally, it inspires us to make a resolution about some concrete thing that we can do that day. That guy at work who really I don't like too much, I'm going to smile at him today. You know, these really practical sorts of things try to make us become better Christians. I think this is what we see here, really, in uh, St. Paul's uh, letter to the Philippians. He says, uh, Join with others in being imitators of me and observe those who thus conduct themselves according to the model you have in us. Now, St. Paul, being an apostle, he can use himself as an example. I can't get away with that. I'm a lot lesser, you know, uh, on the totem pole than uh, Paul. Uh, but, you know, when Paul, being an apostle, being himself a saint, we can consider the apostles, we can consider the saints. So that's what about meditation, okay? Uh, and then here's Paul, and he's crying. This is amazing. He says, Many I have told you, and now tell you even in tears, conduct themselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. He's speaking about Christians, and in fact, I think he's speaking about Christian teachers and preachers, okay? He's saying there are Christian teachers and preachers who conduct themselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Okay, Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their minds are occupied with earthly things. See what they're doing with their minds? Their minds are not engaged in meditation upon the truths of the faith. Their minds are engaged with earthly things. And so they're, they're misdirected in the whole course of their life. They're misleading others, and their end is destruction. Uh, and he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and it's from there that we wait G- uh, our Savior. He'll change our lowly body to conform to his glorified body. So now we're thinking about the future. So it's again, we're meditating upon things uh, that are going to take place. So we, we reflect upon the resurrection 
This is what we do. We think about uh, important uh, saints, the examples uh, of the apostles, of Christ himself, of course, of our Blessed Mother. And um, uh, we think about the mysteries of the faith that have to do with the future. And thereby we fill our minds with heavenly things and thereby direct our heart and hopefully our life uh, down the right path. First and foremost, it's got to take place with the clergy, which is what St. Charles Borromeo is teaching, uh, but it also pertains for all of us as Christians. So this day, today, when we have this opportunity to uh, be in adoration before our Lord in the Eucharist, we can take some time to meditate um, in his presence and uh, so follow the words and the teaching of St. Charles.